In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Mary and Martha. Often this passage is preached as a contrast between prayer and housework, between the contemplative life and listening, of listening and the activist life of service, how some of us are Marys and some of us are Marthas, but God's church needs all of us. This isn't going to be one of those sermons because I think a lot more, yes, I see some cheering. That's good, yeah. So. Thank you. I, I have the same reaction to those kinds of sermons. I try not to be judgy, but I have the reaction. Because I think what's going on in this passage is actually a lot more disruptive. It's a lot more disorienting. It's a lot more radical than any of those takes uh, might give us indication of. Jesus here is upending all of Martha's assumptions about what God wants, about what faithfulness looks like about how to truly welcome God's messengers and God's kingdom. Jesus is surprising and offending even Martha's sensibilities, her preconceived notions about how to be faithful, about what's proper and about what's inappropriate. So something deep and profound is happening here that happens to all disciples of Jesus. We want to get into that. Here's our good news for this morning. Jesus. The incarnate Word of God is present among us, right here and now, proclaiming a fresh Word from God. This Word is reshaping the world and the goodness of God, but as it does, it disrupts our anxious clinging to preconceived notions about what God wants and how to be faithful. But there's space for us today to sit at the feet of Jesus and receive this disruptive, renewing Word and allow it to reshape our lives in God's goodness. This is the one thing needed. Will you choose the better part today? Our text begins, short passage today, that Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him who had a sister named Mary. And so Martha is being faithful here to the tradition handed to her about how do you handle when God's messengers come to town. She received this from Abraham in the text that we read today. The three messengers who are from God, how do you receive them? Well, you kill the fatted calf and you get everything together. You, you serve them your best. You offer them hospitality. Abraham asks Sarah to help with the preparations, and Sarah helps with the preparations. And Martha, I think, probably expected her sister to help with the preparations as well, fulfilling the tradition of the elders, right? It's biblical, Martha. It's biblical. When God's messenger comes to town, this is what we do. Martha expected her sister, Mary, to help. This is Martha's preconceived notion about how to welcome Jesus, God's messenger. And she has good reason to assume that this is true because it's biblical. It's in the Bible. It must be the way to be faithful here. But the two women respond very differently to Jesus' presence. As the text says, Mary sits at Jesus' feet and listens to what he's saying, but Martha is distracted by her many tasks. She's preoccupied by all the preparations that have to be made, and this contrast is obviously bothering Martha because in the next verse, she uh, explodes, if you will. Martha came to Jesus and asks, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all of the work by myself Tell her to help me. 
Martha's upset because she is fulfilling the time-honored tradition, the biblical thing, seeking to be faithful to tradition of, the hosp of hospitality in order to honor Jesus, and Mary's not cooperating. And what's worse, Jesus seems not to be aware of this, and Jesus is not correcting Mar Mary, right? And so Martha is upset. Jesus won't do anything about this highly inappropriate thing that's happening. And it's even worse than that. It's even worse than Mary not fulfilling the tradition, the biblical thing, the tradition of the elders. It's not just that Mary isn't helping. It's that Mary is taking the position of a disciple sitting at Jesus' feet, which is traditionally only open to men in this culture. So sitting at someone's feet is not just a passive thing that any random person might do. It was a bold statement of intent to learn from a teacher how to become what the teacher is. Mary sitting at Jesus' feet is radically inappropriate because she's assuming the posture of one who will become a teacher herself, just like Jesus. In other words, Mary is transgressing the social order here in an alarmingly inappropriate way. The wrong kind of person, a person with low status in this society, brazenly assuming the position of a disciple, of a teacher, of Jesus even. How dare she? This is part of what was going on in Martha. It's not just that my sister isn't helping. It's my sister is acting radically inappropriately, and Jesus seems not to mind. This happens so much in the Gospels, where people do radically inappropriate things, and Jesus seems to love it. <laughs> right? All of Martha's assumptions about how to be faithful here are being challenged by the embodied incarnate Word in her midst. And because Martha trusts her assumptions to be correct, it's biblical after all. Because she trusts her assumptions to be correct, she lashes out at her sister Mary, but also triangulates a little bit here, right? Uh, she doesn't address Mary her, uh, directly. She addresses Jesus. Classic triangulation. But she addresses Jesus and says, why don't you make her help me? But Mary somehow has sensed something in Jesus' presence and message that led her beyond the boundaries of her social convention to believe that she was perhaps no longer defined by her low status in that culture and thus could sit at the feet of this teacher and receive this disruptive, disorienting word that was reshaping the world and embracing her among the company of disciples. Beloved, the same thing is happening now in our midst every single day. Jesus, the incarnate Word of God, is present among us right here and now, proclaiming a fresh Word from God. This Word is constantly reshaping the world in the goodness of God, but as it does, it disrupts all of our anxious clinging to preconceived notions about what God wants, about how to be faithful. But there's space for us today to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to this disorienting, renewing word 
and allow it to reshape our lives. This is the one thing needed. This is how we practice hospitality to God's Word in our midst. Will we choose the better part today? This is the reality that Jesus reveals in His response to Martha's complaint. He says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken away from her. So Jesus speaks here to Martha's anxiety about the inappropriateness of what's happening, stating that the hospitality that he's interested in is not just a clean house and a good meal, but open receptivity to his radical word that is reshaping the world and disrupting the oppressive social order. Jesus honors Mary's choice. Jesus always honors faith, you'll notice in the Gospels, even when faith leads someone to do something highly inappropriate especially when someone's faith leads them to do something inappropriate. Jesus honors Mary's choice to practice this kind of hospitality by sitting at His feet and listening to His disruptive Word, and He defends her place among the disciples, those who allow the disorienting Word to reshape their lives. This is the one thing necessary, and Jesus says it won't be taken away from her. I won't tell her that she has to leave. And implicit here is also an invitation to Martha. You too can come and sit at my feet and receive this good news. Drop your anxious clinging to these preconceived notions of faithfulness and open yourself to the newness unfolding of God's kingdom. So again, the passage is not a contrast between prayer and housework. It's not saying that the contemplative life is better than the activist life. The contrast here is between Martha's anxious agitation that stems from her assumptions about how to show hospitality to God's messengers and Mary's open receptivity to the disruptive, all-embracing, world-reshaping word that is coming from Jesus' lips. Martha's problem then is not that she's busy, it's that she's anxious and agitated and because her preconceived notions are being challenged and disrupted. And she's trusting that anxiety to tell her the truth about the wrongness of this situation. Do you see that? She feels anxious about it and she assumes this is true. I feel anxious because the situation is wrong. My sister's not helping. My sister's acting inappropriately. I ought to be anxious. I ought to be angry. I ought to be upset. But what Jesus invites Martha into is to, instead of trusting her anxiety, to be curious about it, to ask some questions about it, to wonder about it. In our language, Jesus is inviting Martha to have a kairos. Why don't you have a kairos about your anxiety? Jesus invites Martha. invites Martha into asking questions like, what is my anxiety showing me about the assumptions I'm making about God and how to be faithful to God? Could something that seems inappropriate and offensive to me in fact be a gift from God to me? What do I need to relearn in order to welcome a fresh word from God into my life? Because Martha's frustration is all of ours. 
We all want to have a solid set of expectations and rules to live by and rely on. To know that we're doing what God wants. But as the incarnate word, Jesus is always speaking a new, fresh word to us every moment that disrupts our desire for control and comfort. This word is rooted in Scripture and the practices of the church, but it is a fresh word, and it comes to us in a disorienting way often. We have to be welcoming that and ready for that. The theologian named uh, Hans von Balthasar, uh, who has a wonderful book on contemplative prayer, if you're looking for resources on contemplative prayer. It's just a book called Prayer. Uh, And he says this in the uh, first part of that book, if we want to live in God's light, we must listen to God's Word, which always addresses us personally, which is always new since it is always free. It is impossible to deduce this Word from some prior Word we have already understood and put into stone. Clear and fresh God's Word pours forth from the wellspring of absolute sovereign freedom. The Word of God can require something of me today that it did not require yesterday. This means that if I am to hear this challenge, I must be fundamentally open and listening. Our Colossians passage uh, that Ken read for us today reminds us that God's Word is not mere information that we acquire and possess. Sometimes we think of God's Word in that way, that it's this code book that we're going to decode and we're going to figure out uh, for all time what faithfulness looks like for everyone at, for all time. But that's not how God's Word works. God's Word is Jesus Himself standing in the midst of the body, right? The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, in whom all things were created and in whom all things hold together. And as the head of the body, Jesus is radically present to the church, speaking a fresh word of life to us each and every day, each and every moment. And so Jesus' invitation to Martha is also His invitation to us. Beloved, let us become hospitable to God's word in our midst, knowing that Although it always comes to us through Scripture and the practices of the church, it is also always fresh and new, surprising, and often disorienting. And perhaps it will require something of us today that it did not require yesterday. This is actually a pattern for disciples of Jesus. If you read through the Gospels, Jesus often leads His disciples into situations of intense disorientation, actions that actually feel like disobedience to God. Things like eating with tax collectors and sinners. It's hard for us to understand how disorienting and almost disgusting this would have felt to Jesus' original disciples. Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners. (laughs) The Pharisees asked His disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? I think the disciples in their minds were thinking, great question. I have no idea, and I find it highly inappropriate. But I also find that He has the words of life, and so we follow, that there's good news in being led into this disorienting situation. And in fact, these situations that often disorient us are in fact kind of upside-down kingdom faithfulness that leads us into life. Beloved Jesus, the incarnate Word of God is present right here, 
right among us. He's the head of the body, and He's proclaiming a fresh word to us today. This word is reshaping the world in the goodness of God, but as it does, it disrupts our anxious clinging to preconceived notions about what God wants, about how to be faithful. But there's space for us today to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to this disorienting, renewing word and allow it to reshape our lives. This is the one thing needed. So what are you worried and distracted by today? Where are you trusting your anxiety to tell you the truth about the wrongness of the world out there, of the situation out there? Can you hear Jesus instead inviting you to be curious, inviting you to have a kairos, to discern what preconceived notions about God and faithfulness need to be upended today? Let's respond to this good news today by sitting at the feet of Jesus together, confessing our anxieties, and asking God to help us release our assumptions about what God wants, about how to be faithful, about what's proper and what's inappropriate, and open ourselves to the world-reshaping word of good news that Jesus is speaking to us today. Let's open ourselves to God's Spirit working in new, surprising ways in our midst, receiving God's kingdom in all its disruptive glory, in all its hilarious welcome, knowing that it is truly a word of good news because it comes from Jesus, who is leading us into the life that is truly life. Let's choose that today, the better part. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.